You're listening to the Hard Men Podcast, reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of softness. Well, welcome to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. I am your host, Eric Kahn. And in today's episode, we have a very important subject. I think today a monumental verdict was read in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, bringing it to a close. The defendant will rise and face the jury and hearken to its verdicts. State of Wisconsin versus Kyle Rittenhouse. As to the first count of the information, Joseph Rosenbaum, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the second count of the information, Richard McGinnis, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the third count of the information, unknown male, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the fourth count of the information, Anthony Huber, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the fifth count of the information, Gage Grosskreutz, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse, not guilty. It was a very emotional scene. Of course, Kyle broke down in tears. You can see, if you watch it online on Twitter, you see the scene of Kyle and one of his lawyers helping him calm down, helping him breathe. I'm sure this young man has been through a tremendous amount. You think about spending your life in prison, all these things, and uh, all the media, the presidency, everything has been leveraged against you. Even the other day, Jen Psaki saying that uh, you know the president wouldn't commit, comment on whether or not uh, his comments before about Kyle being a white supremacist, which he insinuated during the presidential election. Um, and in her comment, she said, we don't, we, we're not going to comment on that. However, we don't support vigilantes roaming the streets with AR-15s. Uh, so again, just slandering, you know, uh, it was one of those situations where how does this guy get a fair trial? You're thinking this. And yet the jury, along with many people, even on the left, could clearly see from the evidence that Kyle acted in self-defense. He did the righteous thing. So in today's show, we're going to be interviewing Matt Truella. Matt lives in Wisconsin, shares the same state as Kenosha. Kenosha's down at the bottom, if you're unfamiliar, um, and near the Illinois border. Kyle was there. Some of the men from Matt's church were also there the evening that the shooting, the infamous now infamous shooting, took place. So Matt has a unique perspective. He's kind of seen this thing from the very beginning, so I want to interview him on the show, and it was perfect. I interviewed him this morning, and then uh, just shortly after that, we had a verdict read. So uh, awesome news, really important. I think not only, okay, for self-defense, like the communists can't just come into your town and kill you and burn everything to the ground, and you're, you're not allowed to defend yourself. So really important from that perspective. I think also important from the perspective of armed defense. Uh, David French was, and we'll talk about this in the episode, but David French was one of those people who who's making an issue now of open carry. We need to rethink open carry. Uh, we need to rethink David French and the dispatch. But uh, yeah, David, out and out leftist and um, smashing the Second Amendment, or at least attempting to. But yeah, and Matt brings up this awesome point in the show. Really, the reason that we have armed defense is for exactly this reason. You can't come to our town, destroy our businesses, our officials pull law enforcement out, you know, when they decide that they want to do that, and we have no way to defend ourselves. 
by the way, keep this in mind. As you look at firearm sales the last couple of years, we've had record month after record month after record month. It's slowed down a little bit. But think about this. Americans are looking at this situation and they're buying more and more firearms. My only recommendation is be trained. So again, get training. But listen, Americans are not buying this lie, right? Americans are not buying the lie that they should disarm. And as Matt points out in the show, that's one of the reasons we're not Australia. That's one of the reasons that the government has some fear of its people, a healthy fear of its people, is because we defend ourselves and we ought to defend ourselves. And I think on the subject of masculinity, look, Kyle did what men are supposed to do. Kyle showed up. They were pleased from the business owners and from other people to come and help us defend our community. Kyle showed up. How many men in the Christian church haven't showed up? But you watch this and you say, look, if a young man like this can show up, can help put out dumpster fires, literal dumpster fires, a man like this can show up and render first aid to people who are being attacked by leftist commies. Like Kyle showed up and he showed up with an AR strapped to his chest. This is what men are for, to defend their communities. And yes, I mean physically, if it comes to that. God forbid that it comes to that, but it does. Look at human history. Again, I think Kyle is a good picture of what masculinity, at least in that snapshot, should be. Protecting, defending, rendering aid, standing up to the threat. I know it's been a, it's been a source of conviction for me. Right? How many of us, like Matt says in the show, how many of us just check out? We just passively watch as our communities are destroyed and we do nothing. And by the way, I want to say this. Praise God for the verdict that justice was done in this situation. And also shame on all the Christians, all the liberals, all the leftists, all the media, everybody who participated in this lie. Shame on you. As Christians, we ought to be calling for the Gospel Coalition who called Kyle Rittenhouse a mass shooter. We ought to continue to call them to repent and retract their lie. It's still up on their website. John Piper, Tim Keller, whoever else is involved, Joe Carter. You ought to be ashamed of yourselves for perpetrating the lie that this young man who defended himself justly, you called him a mass murderer. You presumed his guilt before he was convicted by a jury of his peers. Now they've said he's not guilty. Shame on you. Shame on the Christian church for not speaking up. You want to talk about social justice? You want to speak out against injustice? You are the perpetrators of injustice. And yes, I mean the evangelical leaders who were so loud when George Floyd's situation went down and who have said nothing about the Kyle Rittenhouse injustice or who have called him a mass shooter or worse. Shame on the Christian church and on the people who supported this lie. It's a beautiful day to see justice done, to see the truth come into the light of day. And again, we need to hold our leaders accountable. We need an explanation from them for why they took the positions they did, especially, again, in the situation with the Gospel Coalition. We need an, a, a retraction and an open apology, open apology for those who slandered this young man's name. You bore false witness. You need to publicly repent. Again, so we're going to have a great conversation with Pastor Matt Truella. We'll have some links at the end of the show. Matt's preached two sermons on the Kyle Rittenhouse situation. His takes are a little bit hotter than even what you might find in some of the more conservative reformed camps. Matt is a proponent, obviously, of armed defense. I love it. I think we all should be. And uh, Matt is not ashamed or afraid of speaking out on those issues. 
So sit back, buckle up, enjoy, listen to the show. Love to hear your feedback afterwards. By all means, send your comments my way. Hard Men Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Kahn, and I am joined today by Pastor Matt Truella. Matt, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. Good to be with you, brother. Good to be here. So, Matt, I want to jump right in. Uh, We're in the midst of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial in your state of Wisconsin. Uh, It's been a huge thing on the national scene. Uh, we're, We're in the point now where we're waiting on the jury for deliberations. There's been fear, supposedly, from the media of riots. Maybe that's something that, you know, they're trying to start themselves. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but I want to get, first of all, your, your first take. You guys were on the ground um, August 2020, right, when this all first started to go down. What was your primary impression about what was going on in Kenosha? I know your church was involved in that event to some extent, too. Just walk me through that. Sure. Well, we had had two nights where the government officials from the governor all the way down to the local officials, the sheriff, police chief, on down the line, had allowed these leftists to just burn the city to the ground. Mm. Two full nights of it, complete lawlessness, and we were headed into the third night of it. And there was a call for people from businessmen in Kenosha and residents to please come and help them defend their homes and defend their businesses because the government officials weren't doing their job. There was clearly this cozy arrangement between the leftists in the streets and the leftists in um, suits, Hmm. you know, the government officials. And so about 200 men came to Kenosha armed. And uh, some of those men were men from our congregation. And that was because the magistrates weren't doing their job. That's why they were there. Um, So it's extremely important for people to understand that. So like they asked for people to come and that's what people did. And that's why Kyle was there. And Kyle wasn't just there that evening. Kyle had also been there during the day washing graffiti off of buildings. And he was also there with his medical pack because he had been trained to some extent as a first responder to help anyone who may have been injured because of the violence that had been taking place the two nights before we got to the third night where the shooting took place. Yeah, and it's interesting, Matt, because uh, you mentioned specifically the business owners requesting help. One of the things I've seen in the mainstream media is, you know, Kyle wasn't welcome. He's not even from there. He had no business being there. Even from some Christian leaders, we've heard, you know, why was Kyle there? Maybe not he was being a fool, something like that along these lines. Just speak to that element of, of why is it important that Kyle showed up? It was important that Kyle showed up because people needed help. You have to understand, yeah, he's from Antioch. Antioch 17 miles from Kenosha. Right. Kenosha's right by the border between Wisconsin and Illinois. Antioch's right by the border in Illinois with, you know, Wisconsin. And so um, his father also lives in Kenosha. He had friends in Kenosha. 
um, who had been asking for help. That's why he went. And isn't it interesting that the media and these other people um, don't seem to say anything about how the leftists were being bussed in. No, They were literally bussed in. Some flew in, some drove in their cars. They came from Minnesota, Illinois, (laughs) all of Michigan. They came from different states because, hey, we get a free-for-all. We get to burn a city down, you know, and nothing's going to happen to us. Listen, when our men were out on the streets the night the shooting took place, we had rank-and-file policemen coming up to them, telling them they were glad they were there. They knew what was going on was wrong. That they were told to stand down while this, you know, this evil took place. This you should see how much of the city was burnt. It was incredible. I went down there just a few days. It was crazy what they did. So even the rank and file police were glad for the men who came out with the guns in order to. And everything changed after that. The next day, the governor brought in, um, you know, then the national guard. Most of the leftists left after the shooting took place because now, yeah, okay, we just can't willy nilly destroy a city. Right. You know, nobody hears about any of this and it's been done by design. The media has poisoned the jury pool here in Wisconsin. I watched this for well over a year now, Eric, how they would demonize Kyle. It was so wicked in our media. I told my wife and kids, I said, they're poisoning the jury pool. How can this kid ever get a fair trial with what they're doing to him through the media? And that's why this DA is able to act like a jerk. He's a wicked man and say things during the trial. And he knows that's going to resonate with some of the jurors because it, it agrees with all the demonization that they've heard from the media for months. It is evil. The, the only crime committed here is that Kyle has been prosecuted. That's the crime. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, Matt, because even listening, uh, you know, it's been on on Twitter is where I've seen it, but it's been you can you can watch the trial unfolding. It's been really interesting because uh, this the one character that is still alive that Kyle shot in the arm, he gave his testimony and, you know, he basically said, look, you know, I pointed a gun at him and was about to shoot him. And at that point, Kyle defended himself. He shot me. And, you know, even it was interesting because even in the, the left media, uh, a lot of the commentators I saw, even a David French, for example, um, who's just been wicked towards Kyle. But David French even said, he goes, well, it's clearly self-defense. I mean, at that point, clearly self-defense. But I would argue not only that, at that point, I'm like, why isn't that dude under arrest? I mean, he's clearly committed a crime. Exactly. Why wasn't he under arrest? I agree with you fully on that. All of these guys who were shot are criminals. They even found out just a like couple days criminals. ago. Bad, very, very evil. <laughs> it's not just like a parking ticket, guys. These are <laughs> yeah. pedophile and, you know, wicked stuff. Yeah. And they just found out like the guy who tried to head stomp him while he was on the ground. They just found out his identity. He wouldn't even make an agreement with the DA to, to testify. Wow. He has such a long criminal record. And, of course, Kyle testified regarding him. He did shoot at him, and he shot at him because he thought he was going to kill him. Yeah. And if you look at the video, no kidding. He's re- Kyle's retreating, retreating, retreating. These guys are chasing, chase- and they meant to hurt him, and they would have beat him to death. 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, one of the videos that surfaced, it hasn't got, I haven't seen it anywhere in the mainstream media, but they've got cell phone video that night of Joseph Rosenbaum, who's one of the people who was killed. And the amount of profanities, I mean, even people on the left were like, dude, calm down. You're going to get somebody shot. They kept saying that because he was trying to instigate a fight with everybody. You know, and he kept saying, he kept saying, you know, shoot me, shoot me. Come on, boy, shoot me. And, you know, other profanity in there as well. So it's interesting that the, the narrative has been maintained throughout. I saw a story, I think it was a CBS channel out of Chicago, uh, but they ran a, a, right afterwards, they ran a photo of Rosenbaum like holding a baby. Of course, this guy was a pedophile, like five times over criminal pedophile, holding a baby and they're like, father of infant loses life in mass shooting. And I'm thinking to myself, right. there's got to be more going on here. So that's what I want to ask you about now. What do you think? Does this tie into the Great Reset? Does this tie into the socialist Marxist garbage going on in our country? How do you see that fitting together? Well, it fits into the motif of scripture, that's for sure, that good has become evil. Yeah. And evil has now become good. They painted these three guys out to be like saints. The DA did too oh, in the yeah. trial. And then when the defense came up for the guy who lived, of course, yeah, then we saw what he really is. And uh, the media has done this since the beginning, painted them all out like they're, you know, these most wonderful people who are just trying to restore justice, you know, in the land. And they're nothing but leftist dogs. I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, amongst leftists. They are the most vicious people on the planet. They are the most dishonest. They would slit your throat and smile at you while you bled out. And if people doubt that, it's only their own ignorance Interesting. of history and of experience. I know exactly how they think, exactly how they behave. You cannot appease them. They can never be appeased. You have to defeat leftists and you have to defeat their thing. And right now they have the upper hand because they operate on the basis of intimidation, threats and violence. And the dumbest thing you can do and most people do do is cower to that. That is not good. This whole matter of having an armed citizenry, what good is having an armed citizenry if people aren't willing to use their arms? Yeah. In the end, it doesn't mean anything if you're not willing to defend yourselves. And they clearly want to use this case like they did with the couple in St. Louis. And by the way, the couple in St. Louis came up here during the trial to stand with Kyle. Interesting. They want to use this case to make us feel that we can no longer defend ourselves or defend other people. The ultimate goal is to disarm Americans and run over the top of us like a steamroller. You see what they've been doing, the tyrants have been doing around the world in the disarmed countries like Australia, um, New Zealand, um, France, um, Canada. The evil they've unleashed, and I believe the reason they've been far more draconian there, now Austria, the reason they've been far more draconian there is because of the fact that they're a disarmed people. But it's important if we're armed that we understand there may be a time where you have to use them. And this was a time. The civil authorities weren't doing their duty. So men came out to defend other men's homes and property. They asked for help. They went and helped them. And that's important for us to do. Another thing I want to say too, Eric, when you looked at the arraignment of Kyle Rittenhouse, which was broadcast live, on all of our news stations here, they had the father of, I believe it was Uber, the second guy that was shot and killed. 
Really? And he's, yeah, he's speaking at an arraignment, telling bald face lies, what a wonderful son I had, blah, blah, blah. And this murderer, that's what he called Kyle, you know, has killed my son. You don't let family speak. I talked to numerous attorneys. They've never heard of this in their life. No. The family doesn't get to speak till after the trial because you're presumed innocent until proven guilty. But here at the very arraignment itself, here's the father of one of the guys um, that Kyle had to shoot in self-defense being allowed to speak and utter lie after lie. Again, poisoning the jury pool throughout this area. Absolute evil and wickedness. There's a big, wicked agenda with this case. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, and, and you mentioned the way that things were even talked about. This is one of the tactics of the left, changing words. Um, even the judge, um, who, as I understand, is a Democrat, a lifelong Democrat. So he's not some Trump supporter, as people make him out to be. But even the judge told the prosecutor, you have to stop referring to these people as victims, which, by the way, is something the media has done throughout. Uh, again, I'm going to cite him again, but David French continues, even though he says, yeah, it was self-defense, he continues to refer to the communists that were killed and shot as victims. Um, this has been one of the, the consistent lies that we've seen. One of the things that I think maybe people miss, too, in this, so this all started supposedly with the shooting of uh, Jake Blake, right, by police officers. Now. I remember when that first came out and it was like, oh, this is another police brutality. This dude is like a criminal domestic violence. He's got multiple charges against him. He's been tased twice on the run, flees from cops, has an arrest warrant, and then tries to lunge at a police officer and get shot. It, it, even in the core kernel of what, it, you know, this is supposed to be about police brutality, you start unpacking the facts, you start digging behind the words, and it's really not any of that. So what I want to ask you pastorally, I, I think one of the things that a lot of pastors miss in America is there's a huge role as, as the preacher and speaker of truth, right? We can't just sit by and let our people digest all that, right? But one of the things that I've noticed, even in reform circles, is pastors feel really uncomfortable speaking specifically to issues like that. What would you say to guys about why, why do you need to address this in some format pastorally for your people? Because God's word addresses every matter of life. He addresses every area of our life. He addresses every area of life. And so God has something to say about any situation. And when something is within the news, it's large within the community, then churchmen have a duty to say what God has to think about it. Right. When it comes to Kyle Rittenhouse, for example, I've preached two sermons regarding um, Kyle. I did this over a year ago. Um, they're at sermonaudio.com. If people want to check it out, just put in my name after you click on the speaker button. And I preached those two sermons because, um, A, I saw a young man being demonized. And I'm a father. I'm an older guy now. I'm 61. I have plenty of grandsons now, too. When I see a young man like that being mistreated, oh, that DA had my blood boiling, yeah. the evil things he said. And um, so I preach these two sermons. I, I think it's extremely important. This is the number one thing. Like I, I, My sermons get listened to a lot. 
and on various platforms. And here's the number one thing people say why they like my sermons, Eric. They say, you're one of the few preachers who actually makes application. Yeah. You, you go into the word, you're faithful to the text, and then you apply it. Wow. No kidding. <laughs> but what I've learned, you know, is that unfortunately, most churchmen and most Christians, what they like is theory. They don't like application. And that's why Knox is big in our house. John Knox is big in the Truella home. And it's because he applied the law and word of God to every area of life. And so I believe that's what we should do as churchmen. I believe specifically it's because the pulpits have been unfaithful to Christ in that regard that our country's in the condition it's in. We've pulled back out of civil government matters. Wicked men have filled the void. They've made their worldview, law, policy, and court opinion. And we now live in an insane asylum, all while the churchmen and the church Christians were feeling spiritual about not being involved in civil government matters. It's so messed up. It's not even funny. So I believe that um, my fellow churchmen need to be faithful to the Lord and preach regarding whatever God. He addresses everything in his word, including civil government matters. Those areas need to be addressed also. Yeah, and I think, Matt, I think that's that's huge. And I think one of the other issues, I mean, I've other than you and uh, uh, Jason Storms, I have never actually heard like a pastor today preach on, say, personal defense, armed defense. Um, scripture has something to say about it, right? So kind of overview of that, um, where would you go to, to help people who are saying, wait a minute, are, are Christians a lot? And, and I know this sounds crazy. Like if you went 200 years ago to say, is armed defense you know, justifiable, lawful. 200 years ago, people would have been like, yeah, duh. Have you read the confession? Today, not so much. So where would you point people on that, on that matter? Yeah, well, I would start in Genesis. Um, um, the Lord is the one who has given us life, right? And then I have other passages, like one of my sermons, if people want to listen to it, is Kyle Rittenhouse and the right to life and self-defense. Yep. And in there, I go through many passages of scripture showing that, yeah, we do have a duty to defend ourselves. We do have a duty to defend others. Also, I address the matter of arms. In my book on the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, I have an appendix dealing with the whole matter of guns, of the use of arms. It is nothing but scripture after scripture after scripture. You can also go to our church website, mercyseat.net. And I have that appendix posted there also. Um, I forget what the name of it is, but it would be under um, either articles or uh, pamphlets. Okay, perfect. Yeah, and we'll provide links to those in the show notes. Definitely encourage our listeners to check that out. Give some really good background uh, for personal defense in general. Uh, one of the things I want to do, Matt, I want to ask you now about some of the responses, specific responses that people have had. Uh, we'll start with Doug Wilson, because he's probably closer on most of these societal issues, I think, than a lot of people would be to to where I am, maybe to you as well. Mm-hmm. But I was a little taken aback. Doug said uh, recently in a, a short uh, video that they shared on Facebook, he said he wouldn't go so far as to call Kyle a fool, but certainly brash, and not for the self-defense portion. He said he thinks he was justified in self-defense but it was brash for him to be there. So I know we've sort of talked about this, but I, I just want to get your response to, to that comment. I totally disagree with that. 
Um, when people say that kind of thing, why was he there? I respond and say, well, maybe he should have just been indifferent right. like you are. Maybe he should just be indifferent like this culture we live in is when evil and injustice is taking place, when people need help, just be indifferent. That grates on me when people say, that, why was he there? And they actually say that like they think maybe he should get some jail time just for being there. Right. Right. He was there again because people needed help because the civil authorities weren't doing their job. And a bunch of leftists were in town burning the place to the ground. That's why he was there. He had friends there. Friends asked him to come. His dad lived there. He lived 17 miles away. <laughs> it's like that's why he was there. And that's why I know the men in our church were there with arms was because of exactly what I just said. People asked for help. They needed help. We could see they needed help because the magistrates were just going to let the leftists do whatever they want with their cozy little arrangement between the leftists in the suits and the leftists in the streets. Yeah, I think that's huge. Um, I've even seen, you know, sort of the warnings from certain conservative talking heads. You know, we, we need to, the Trump people need to be careful not to make a hero out of Kyle Rittenhouse. I think a lot of what he did was heroic, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but it's interesting in the same, same breath, they've made a hero and a saint out of George Floyd, who was uh, clearly on drugs. I mean, there's, there's some nefarious things going on, not saying what happened was great, whatever. But um, yeah, it's interesting that double standard there. The other one I want to ask yes. you about is the Gospel Coalition. So they still have an article up uh, in the article, they refer to Kyle as a mass shooter. This was something that was going around for a long time. Um, I know how big of a fan you are of the Gospel Coalition, Matt. Uh, <laughs> right. but, but talk to me about this in the labeling. Like, as a Christian, to me, I see this and I'm thinking, well, this is just simply bearing false witness and then refusing to repent. But there, it's still up. Yeah. And I'm not surprised. And isn't it amazing that people who name the name of Christ still listen to anything the Gospel Coalition has to say? Yeah. How often can one group of people be so awfully wrong? And yet Christians, yeah. quote unquote, continue to take their cues and thinking from these lawless men. I can't say enough negative about Gospel Coalition. And I'm just stunned that anyone cares about anything they have to say. But yet they still have tens of thousands of people hang on every word they say. Yeah. And I think a big part of it is because you've got... Well, you've got big voices like John Piper and Tim Keller, um, who you know are associated with it. Uh, but the other thing is, to me, I, I, you know, I talk about it all the time, but I couldn't help make the connection. I've said before that the uh, the Pietism culture of John Piper really makes for effeminate men. Well, John Piper is the kind of guy. I mean, he's come out and said, "I would let an intruder shoot my wife." So it's not really surprising that they would think that uh, Kyle is the problem in this situation. What I do think is interesting, though, I haven't heard a single one of them decry rioting and looting. Just Kyle. Isn't that amazing, right? And I've noticed that all my life. Whenever someone takes action against evil that's taking place, the churchmen don't ever address the evil that they were addressing. They just respond to how that person should have been a little nicer or handled a little bit better this way. <laughs> you know, what, it's like, what was Kyle's gospel witness in that moment? Well, it was that Evil has a, a line, and if you cross it, you're going to find out. Yeah, and the young man, every expert, everyone who knows about arms and guns knows how incredibly 
how well he handled himself. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine that he's, he's 17 years old and he handled himself perfectly. He never fired unless he had to fire. And really the last minute, like getting beat over the head with a skateboard. He's not just firing into a crowd. Right. Even when uh, what's his face aimed the gun at him and then pulled the gun from aiming at him. Kyle didn't shoot. It was when he went back with his gun to shoot towards him that Kyle then shot him. I mean, that's pretty astounding. I grew up in Detroit. I was in a gang. I know what it's like to be chased by a gang of people down a street and you know they're going to kill you. If I know that personally, what that feels like. And he held his composure and handled himself that well in the midst of that situation. That speaks volumes of that young man. Yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I can say that too from years of firearms training, uh, CQB, close quarters combat, all that stuff. The judge even said at one point he was given commentary to the prosecutor, but he said, listen, all these things happen in a matter of seconds. You know, when you think about that and you know those scenarios, like you said, it's amazing. Like a lot of people will lose their cool because they're panic. Yeah. I mean, there's fear. Uh, it gets to the other point, too, though, about um, there's this moment where Kyle breaks down on, on the witness stand. Um, LeBron James weighs in and accuses him of faking it, which is very ironic because... Mm -hmm. the king of the flop. It, it is interesting to me how, just at the level of how willing, somebody like LeBron, okay, if this isn't coordinated, if this isn't um, a bigger picture, like, why does he care about this case? There's got to be more to that, number one. And number two, I think with the case overall, it'll be interesting to see what the ramifications are, because I, I was reading articles, if Rittenhouse is found not guilty, it will be a win for white people everywhere. And I remember thinking there was this narrative going on from the beginning that he had shot black people. Mm -hmm. Nobody yes. black is involved in this. I mean, in any of the shootings. So I fail to see that. I mean, the white black thing, you, you live in these communities. Is this being blown up for the sake of destruction of culture and society? I'll tell you, Eric, even to this day, I am stunned how many of my fellow Wisconsinites still think that Kyle Rittenhouse shot three black men. Right. That is common thinking. Absolutely. And we've been down at the courthouse when some of the hearings with Kyle took place and BLM's there. We've been there armed. They've been there armed. Everybody's with guns. We end up in these, they get pretty intense at the beginning. Oh yeah. And then we're able to actually, once you weed out some of the big mouths, actually have some great discussions. They all think that he shot three black men. Really? All the white people here think he shot three black men. The media, it's astounding to me how people are so dumb, how easily they are spoon-fed by the media. But I guess I shouldn't be surprised when they all walk around with masks on and run to get a vaccine. That's a, It's like, <laughs> yeah. how... Do you do any investigative thought on your own? Yeah. You know, do you have any brain? Do you have anything to compare and critically think about stuff with? It's insane to me, but that is overwhelming. Still, the view here is that people think he shot three black men. Yeah, it's incredible to me, too. And, I, and just to, you know, do a little testing of the waters, I uh, I went on Wikipedia, which is known for its accuracy, and... um 
even they, they were like, no, he didn't shoot any black people. Like even, <laughs> you know, even that outlet said that. So Matt, I want to ask you uh, about a David French quote. I'm going to read this to you. Um, and this is going to relate to open carry in particular. He said, when Kyle Rittenhouse walked the streets of Kenosha in the midst of urban unrest following the police shooting of Jacob Blake while holding a rifle in the patrol carry or low ready position, similar to the position used by soldiers walking in towns and villages in war zones without any meaningful training. And this is the key point. He was engaged in remarkably dangerous and provocative conduct. Later in the paragraph, French refers to Kyle being there as an obvious vigilante presence. So you go to these events, you know, open carry is a normative thing. I live in a state where open carry is normative. To claim that someone open carrying is engaging in remarkably dangerous and provocative conduct. Just respond to that. Yeah. No, we should be able to have guns when bad people are burning down our property. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, you, and it has nothing to do with vigilantism. Vigilantism is where you come back a day, a week, a year later and retribute justice. This was an act of defense. The men were out there to defend people's properties, to defend people's persons from harm by lawless men. That's why there has nothing to do with vigilantism. And David French is a jerk, and he has been for many years already. Yeah. So I'm not surprised by his comments. So I want to, and I totally agree with you. David French is, uh, anybody's ever seen The Office, I always call him the Toby of the world, where he's just literally (laughs) the worst character ever, and everyone dislikes him. People can identify with that. So I want to read another quote. Well, well, first of all, we have the uh, response from the president, Joe Biden. The uh, yes. the pretender. The pretender. <laughs> he referred to Rittenhouse as a white supremacist. Uh, even Fox News Ducey uh, this week asked Jen Psaki, why did President Biden suggest that Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist? And she said, I'm not going to respond to what he said. However... And this is a quote. She says, we shouldn't have, broadly speaking, vigilantes patrolling our communities with assault weapons. So what's interesting to me here, Matt, uh, President Trump, Steve Bannon, the Department of Justice has been dispatched to go after these guys for a January 6th, quote unquote, insurrection. I mean, this is as close, I think, as you can get to stirring up civil unrest. You call him a white supremacist. Really, there's been nothing in the trial. Even the people on the left, if they're honest, there's been nothing in the trial to suggest that Kyle was a white supremacist. Right. Um, there's nothing to suggest evidentially that he's a vigilante, as you've said. Um, why do you think, like, why isn't the Department of Justice looking into this president? I think the o- answer is probably obvious, but I want to hear your take. Yeah. Well, first off, these guys all create the problem and then they use it for their own ends and their own means. They're the ones who aren't doing their duty. They're not doing what the duty of magistrates is to punish evildoers and reward those who do good. They've perverted their God-given role. They now reward those who do evil and they punish those who do good. And Christians better figure that out really fast. This has already been a problem in this country for decades. I don't know where you've been that you haven't seen this. And um, But now it's on steroids. Yeah. And like even last week, Veritas was raided by the FBI. And Bannon indicted, 
We have a long, you look at these people from January 6th and what they're enduring, what they're up against, that is complete evil. And you have a media that's overwhelmingly complicit with it. It's, it's insane. But anyways, I forgot what your final question was there. I just. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly that. Um, yeah. And particularly, I guess that the DOJ, I think it's concerning that they've been weaponized. I mean, this has been going on for a long time, right? Uh, FBI leaks information to the media, the media reports it. And then the FBI says, well, there's a leak. We have to investigate. Well, yeah, you created it. Uh, but getting to your, your point, and, and this is the last uh, quote that I want to reference here. This is from Twitter. This is actually probably my favorite. I'll see what your take is here. But this is J.D. Vance. So J.D. Vance wrote the book, Hillbilly Elegy. I believe he was running or is running for Ohio Senate. Um, I wasn't sure after reading the book really where he stood, but I think we've seen a little bit more on Twitter. To me, Matt, this is what men should act like, talk like, etc., and we have just a complete lack of it in the church. So this is what J.D. says. We'll get your take. J.D. says, I took a brief watch of the Rittenhouse testimony, and it fills me with indescribable rage. He says, I'm not a criminal lawyer, and I'm sure people are right that it is risky for him to testify. But our leaders have abandoned this kid's community to lawless thug rioters, and he did yeah. something about it. And now a lawless thug prosecutor is trying to destroy yeah. his life. I just watched a boy recount an act of offensive violence committed against him, and break down in tears. Everyone from the journalists who condone this violence to the president of the United States who called this kid a white supremacist is culpable for this. We leave our boys without fathers. We let the wolves set fire to their communities. And when human nature tells them to go and defend what no one else is defending, we bring the full weight of the state and the global monopolists against them. End quote. I thought that was pretty amazing. I, I want to get your take, though. That's a phenomenal statement. Well stated, succinct. And um, I'll tell you, um, I can totally understand when he says the rage. Yeah. Watching the trial. I could not watch more than three or four, maybe five minutes. I tried it a few times and my blood would boil. And so I, I didn't watch. And I've gotten everything about the trial, either through the media or people whose opinions I respect who've watched every minute of like, get this, my oldest daughter, who's pregnant with her 10th child, has watched every, she watched every minute wow. of the trial. Wow. And then gave, you know, summary yeah. of what was happening and sent it to us, you know, on our family chat thing. And uh, yeah, anyway, it's good to hear that guy say that because that's what we need more of. That's how men think. They don't sit there and, you know, you know, armchair quarterback yeah. and nitpick. They see something and they understand that's good. That's right. And these guys over here, they're evil. That DA is evil. He is a wicked man. And as an older man, it's so hard to watch that type of thing, Eric, Yeah. as you get older, because you're like, what, what is going on here? And you would like a few minutes alone with a guy like that. You really would. It's so wicked the way he behaves. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Matt, final question I want to ask you today. Uh, in terms of the church and its response, I know you guys have been putting together video series. Um, I think a new video coming out on Monday. This kind of ties in, though, in terms of how do, how do we resist this sort of thing? We need to be thinking long term. We need to be thinking strategically. Um, I, I know it's something that I've been following these videos, but for those who haven't, 
maybe give us a little teaser about the third video, what's going to be in that, and uh, why this is so important in this moment for the Christian church. Sure, these three videos we've done are on Christian resistance, which is repentance, fighting, and building. The third one is on building. Uh, many people think that, you know, God has to bring his judgment and everything's got to be obliterated and then we rebuild. No, that isn't how it works. Um, repenting, fighting, and building all happen intermingled over and over again while things are unfolding. God is already building in the midst of the fighting, <laughs> in yeah. the midst of the judgment that is upon our land. In the midst of the judgment, he's already building. And I already see him, for example, building a tougher, more biblical form of Christianity. So they're little four-minute videos, but they're very succinct, and they have a lot of good information in them. If people want to see the first two, they can go to rumble.com and just put in Defy Tyrants and go to our channel. Our channel is Defy Tyrants. We also have a website, defytyrants.com. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely, again, provide links for those in the show notes. Matt, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for talking with us. Definitely appreciate it. Hey, thank you for the opportunity, Eric. God bless you, brother. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Hardman Podcast. Deeply appreciate our supporters, everyone who supports on Patreon or as a member through ericcon.com. If you're not yet a member, you've been blessed by this show. It's been an encouragement to you. I would encourage you to go to ericcon.com. You can sign up to be a member for as little as $5 a month, or you can do that through Patreon. A little more money goes our way if you do it through ericcon.com. We're creating great content. We're creating content that matters. And I think I'm part of a handful of people that are creating a kind of content that you're just not going to find anywhere else. We're not afraid of the powers that be. We're not afraid to speak the truth. And we are pushing back against woke left progressivism in America without shame or abandon. We're doing so with courage. So again, people like Michael Foster, people like John Harris, conversations that matter. A lot of great men and a lot of great work. Please support it so that we can have more of it in a world gone woke. Well, until next time, men, stay frosty, fight the good fight, act like men.